You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Welcome. Back to Legends Live, kinda. Now we're still presented by the National Basketball Retired Players Association, the home of all our NBA and WBA legends. And normally this is where I tell you viewers can submit questions at the end of the show uh, that we'll answer. But for our 70th episode, for our one-year anniversary, we wanted to do something a little bit differently. So recorded a little bit earlier with our guests. Without any further ado, I'd like to welcome in today's guest. He's a former Syracuse Orange. He's a former Washington Wizard. He is a current poet author, activist, as well as a featured writer and podcaster for Basketball News. We've got Atan Thomas with us. Atan, thank you for joining us, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Of course. First things first, how are you? I'm good. You know, I'm blessed. I can't complain at all. You know, still, I still live here in D.C. Uh, with my family after being with the Wizards for so long. So I still live in the area. And uh, yeah, can't complain. That's always good to hear. Uh, now, when I was introducing you, did I miss any titles? I, I feel like you wear a lot of hats. Did I, 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 did I, did I, miss, did I miss anything? <laughs> no, I do. It's okay. No, you. That, that was a great intro, so I, I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. Now, as I mentioned, you're you know activist in the activism. I guess what kind of activism speaks to you, or I guess like appeals to you? So um, a lot of the work that I'm doing now is particularly dealing with uh, impacted family members. So that's mm. um, family members of police brutality. Mm. So for my previous book, uh, We Matter, Athletes and Activism, I connected with a few family members and I wanted to interview them because they were at the center of everything. So, yeah, I interviewed a lot of different athletes from, you know, yesteryear and today. I, I interviewed, you know, Bill Russell and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar mm. and, you know, John Carlos and Tommy Smith and Martin mm. Abdul-Aruf and all of them. And then current athletes like Dwayne Wade and Russell Westbrook and Eric Reed and, you know, Tori Smith. But I wanted to really start with the impact of family members because that's what all of this activism is all about. Right. So I interviewed um, Eric Garner's daughter, Emerald, mm. um, Terrence Crutcher's uh, twin sister, Tiffany Crutcher. I interviewed uh, Trayvon Martin's brother, Javaris, and I interviewed um, Philanna Castile's mother and uh, sister. Wow. Um, so, so, so since then, I've kind of been, you know, working with them a lot. And then now I'm working with other impacted family members. So now I'm working on my next book and I'm dealing with a lot of other impacted family members as well. And, you know, giving them a platform with their voice, helping them with their, you know, foundations, pushing the, the message. So that's really kind of what I've been focused on um, a lot in, in terms of activism. Now, what was the experience like, like talking to some of those impacted family members? What was that like for you? Oh, my gosh. Those were the hardest interviews that I've ever done yeah. in my life. Like, literally, I, I'm, I bet yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, talking to them. And, you know, a lot, a lot of times they get emotional. A lot of times they're, you know, there's certain things that they say and I'm trying to keep it together. You know, right. I'm to, I, I see I feel my eyes watering up. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm, absolutely. I'm talking to them. So those are they're, they're really difficult. But. You know, ha being blessed to have this platform, you know, the NBA, even though I'm retired now, I still have the platform and being able to just continue to amplify their voices 
um, you know, not speak for them, but get, but help them with a platform for them to keep speaking. So I put together different panels and I put together do different interviews and things of that nature, you know, of them with them and, you know, and supporting. And the thing that's interesting is they're all pushing through their foundations um, to have laws be changed. Mm -hmm. And so aiding them in that effort as well. So it's just a blessing to be in this position to be able to play that role. Now, was this something you were like always passionate about, like as a like when you were still in the league, like as a student, even before that or? Is it somewhat recent or like when did you, I guess, when did this really speak to you to get involved? So for me, it happened at a young age. You know, I, I started getting really interested in my history and my culture, you know, probably in middle school. You know, I wrote, okay. I read the autobiography of Malcolm X and kind of mm -hmm. everything kind of changed for me. I started opening, you know, I, my mother started just giving me different books about different athlete activists who use their position and their platform. So I started reading about Muhammad Ali, who you see mm -hmm. in the back of me. Um, you know, reading about Bill Russell and John Carlos and Tommy Smith and Kareem and all of them. Um, so that's who I always wanted to aspire to become. So then in, in high school, I started getting into speech and debate and things of that nature. So I started writing speeches and debating topics and things of that nature um, about race relations, police brutality, things of that. So that's where I kind of really got into it. And I just kind of kept doing it my whole life. I just played ball while I was doing while it. You so, doing. <laughs> basically, so that, that's what happened. So what was it like talking to, you know, you said you read about those guys, the Bill Russells, uh, guys like that. And then you just mentioned you get to talk to them now. What was that like for you? Oh, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Like yeah. I interviewed Bill Russell and he's telling, and he, it was so amazing because, you know, he's, you know, he's older now, mm -hmm. but he tells like he answered every question with like a story and the story just perfectly answered my question. And it was like, I was like, man, that was dope. That was a great story. Just, yeah. Yeah. How you just put that together. And it was, you know, it was, it was just amazing sitting down and talking to Kareem, you know, talking to Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, who I was in mm -hmm. high school reading about him and Craig Hodges. And I mean, it was just really, it was just really amazing, but just also knowing the, the sacrifices that people have made um, for athletes now to enjoy the freedom that, that we enjoy now as far as being able to speak freely. You know, back when, you know, my Muda Duru did it, 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 it came at a cost. Yeah, Craig Rogers did it, as well, it, yeah. it came as a cost. So, yeah. you know, definitely being able to honor them as well. But it, 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 was, it was a great honor to be able to speak with them. Hmm. Now, in this, I guess, line of work, I, I'll ask, like, how, how do you stay motivated in this? Because, again, we just saw Minneapolis police killed uh, Dante Wright, unarmed black man. So how, how do you try to stay motivated or, or focused? You know, I mean, times like these. I mean, the, the motivated part isn't an issue. Sometimes it's tough not to get discouraged, right. to be honest with you, because yeah. you see things happening and sometimes it doesn't seem like it's getting better. Right. You know, I mean, you're, you, after last year when George Floyd happened and there was like this uprising, you know, with everybody. I mean, mm -hmm. last, last summer was probably, honestly, in my lifetime, the most white people that I've seen ever protest the death of a black man by the police. In yeah. my lifetime, I, I had never seen anything like that before. It didn't happen like, like that. Nationwide. Yeah. They all over. Like there was places where. The world, really, yeah. Right. You look at some protests and it's all white people in yep. Idaho protesting. Or in, <laughs> right. like, you know what I'm saying? Like right. all, so, so from that standpoint, it was amazing to see. But then it looked like police brutality got worse after that. Like, they, like, we, like we heard more and more cases and. You know, and it's just it's frustrating when there's more hashtags and there's right. more family members and there's, you know, more grieving and more anger. 
and it and it and it doesn't seem to be curving. Um, so that that's that's a part. So it, and sometimes it's it's hard not to get discouraged. Yeah. But you know, you just got to you got to keep fighting. This has been a fight that you know we've been fighting as as a, as a people f- for decades. You know what I mean? But then also, then you're like, okay, but we're still fighting the same things that our grandparents were exactly. fighting back in the you know. So right. it's, it's it's tough. It is yeah. Tough. Uh, I mean, it, it is tough, especially like it feels like you know we're kind of putting the onus on the people affected by it. Mm-hmm. You know, to 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 figure out the issues. But I'll ask like what. You know, from our shoes, what what can we do? How can we help? What ways? So, when you look at the, a lot of, a lot of the impacted family members, um, they're specifically trying to get laws changed, and usually it's as particular laws in their particular states because each right. police department is completely different. Right. But even from a federal level, um, it's really interesting hearing the different congressmen and congresswomen that they're all appealing to to try to get the laws changed, and some of them are open to it and some of them are not and not that's so open yeah. not so open to even changing the language to bills that they're trying to push for right. and, and and then it's interesting to go and then see this same congressperson speak as if they're so concerned about you know what i mean um, with the cause they, yeah. they the cause and then and then you talk to the impact of family members they're like no we met with that person specifically and right. they had no interest in trying to actually get something done so then then the frustration parts comes as seeing that a lot of people are giving lip service. And these, these are people who can change things. You know, these are people who can, you know, hold police officers accountable, put things in place so they're that when the police rooms, officers... Yeah. Right. And they're like, no, we're not really focused. So that part is frustrating. There's a lot of a lot of, thing, a lot of smoke and mirrors going on. Mm. Um, and people making statements and pretending to be one way, but then, you know, when they have actual power, they're conducting themselves completely different. And yeah. I... I didn't know it was to that level to, to when, and except for when I'm let, working on this this next book and mm. speaking to them. I'm like, wow, wait, that person too? Like, I, I, I just <laughs> right. saw her speak the other day and they was like... Right, it must be two sides, yeah. Right, and they're like, no, we spoke to them ourselves. And that, that part's a little frustrating. Yeah. So what do you think about the way, like, the NBA has handled, like, I guess social justice issues or allowing players to, you know, speak out or, you know, on these types of things? Well, I think Adam Silver has been great. You know, I interviewed him in We Matter and uh, mm-hmm. I, I asked him in, in my book, you know, would he ever punish someone for speaking out on something that he disagrees with? Mm. And that's always the caveat. Anybody right. can want somebody when they agree with them. Right. I'm like, right. Okay. he was like, well, yeah, me agreeing with them doesn't have anything to do with it. And he talked about the history of, you know, uh, Bill Russell and Kareem, mm-hmm. and the history of activism in the NBA. And it was great. And I have a lot of respect for Adam Silver because he he practiced what he preached. Like, mm. he, I, I wanted to get him on record saying that to kind of squash the notion that was kind of going around that if you do speak out, you're taking a risk. In the, right. at least the NBA. I can't, the, I, can't, right, yeah. I can't speak for the NFL. That's a whole different league. But whole different, whole different league. league. <laughs> but at least in the NBA, um, you know, he created this safe space where athletes can feel that they won't be punished if they do speak out and they won't be, you know what I mean? Like, like Colin Kaepernick, you know what I mean? If they do, you know, take a stand for something. And it's, uh, it's important that he did that because it's like no other league to be honest with you. I mean, what we saw last year in the bubble, take for example, I mean, it, it was, it was really amazing 
um, you know, not, and not just the the stuff for show, not just the Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter on the court or the stuff on the back of the jerseys, the jersey, which is all yeah. great. Mm-hmm. But the programs that they put in place of, you know, with the thing that they, they did with the coaches where every coach in different places, they're 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 meeting with community organizers. Mm-hmm. I, I interviewed Stan Van Gundy uh, mm-hmm. for my book, and he was talking about particulars of, you know, going and trying to figure out how they can, um, you know, help in, in the specific city that they're in. Right. You know, it, it, it's I, I was very impressed because at first, honestly, I, I thought, OK. All these teams, you know, putting out statements to just say, we believe in Black Lives Matter. Or, you know, right. so I, I was like, mm, this is kind of getting a little bit repetitive here. I don't, right. I don't know. But then to see the follow-up programs after that, right. I got to say I was definitely impressed. Hmm. So if you could see, what's one thing you'd like to see the NBA do differently, just in terms of that? So so one of the things that I did, I, I wrote this piece in The Guardian, um, and, I, and I said that I wanted for NBA um, CEOs. I don't, I don't call them owners for obvious reasons, but um, Adam Silver calls them governors. So NBA mm-hmm. governors um, like Mark Cuban, um, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, you know, in different cities to use their power and their influence in the cities that they're in dealing mm-hmm. with specifically police departments. And uh, after it, I had a, um, you know, and I, I mentioned a lot of different, you know, CEOs, Mickey Arrelson, you know, Clay mm-hmm. Bitton, you know, of course. Um, but but uh, Mark Cuban actually reached back out to me. Mm. He messaged me and we had a great conversation. So I interviewed him for my for my next book. And, you know, we talked about what he can do and what he does do. And right. a lot of the stuff I didn't know. And so, and, and I was like, yeah, y'all got the power to try to, you know, because right. when, when you're, when you're the CEO of a NBA team, you know, you're a big wig in that city. Absolutely. You are in those circles where you have those functions and those meetings and things like that, where there may be the police chief there, there may be right. the mayor there, maybe the governor there. All, so you can use your influence in ways. Definitely. You know? And so it, it's, it's, it, it's, I would like to see more of that happen. Okay. Uh, Mark Cuban told me what he does and what he pushes to do. Um, and then he talked to me about how then sometimes the problem happens is then a whole new police chief comes after that. And then they do things completely different. At, you know, right. but yeah, back to square one. Right that. back to square one. Yep. But at least giving the effort, I think that that's something that, you know, I would like to see the NBA do a little bit more of, to be honest. Mm. With you. Mm-hmm. So uh, when does uh, the next book come out? Do you have a. A date on it yet? Or oh, still, gonna, still putting it together? Yeah, I'm still putting it all together. Okay. Um, yeah, and it's, 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 it's a great book, you know, and I, I do where I like to interview a lot of different people and they kind of intertwine my thoughts and feelings and opinions in between what the interviews are. And, you know, I've had a, had a, had a great list. It's kind of the same format that I did with my We Matter book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, that's, 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 that's what I've been working on now. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, Go a little bit uh, lighter hearted. I like to. Okay. Go, I like to go back a little bit with our legends. All right. Uh, you mentioned you're from Tulsa. Mm-hmm. You went to Booker T. Washington High School, correct? Yes, sir. So I have to ask, who's the best athlete to come out of Booker T. Washington High School? No, Wayman Tisdale by far. Okay. That's, that's, okay. I was that's number say. one. Wayman Tisdale was the man. Like he was bigger than life that back then when he was playing. Like you know, and then then you have Richard Dumas, who mm-hmm. was you know he was the man. He played in. The, the finals against um, um, MJ and them with, when he was with Phoenix, when he was mm-hmm. with Barkley. And then, I mean, it, we, we have a lot of, you know, Booker T is a, a place rich with traditions. They just came out with this um, article, I think a few days ago, of the most championships of any high school 
um, across the country. And mm. Damatha was number one, and mm. Booker, Booker T was number two. Wow. But, the, but the thing about it is, and I got to check on this, I don't know if they started counting championships before um, integration ah, with Booker yeah. T because Booker T was segregated. I don't know if right. they counted those. So I got to check everything. because if they count those, then right. it won't even be any it, close. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but right now we're number two. So that's okay, at number two, that's that's not bad, not yeah, bad. Not yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'll just say because uh, like Wayman Tisdale got like R. W. McCorders, Tyler yeah. Lockett, Justice yeah. Hill in the league right now. Uh, Felix Jones. I was yeah. just scrolling the list and I was like, man, oh man, I thought it might be. I felt like Tisdale was probably the top dog, but I wanted to yeah, yeah, yeah. check and see. Tisdale was the man. Yeah. <laughs> now after high school in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Went to Syracuse. How did, how did you end up going from, from Oklahoma up to Syracuse? Well, I was born in New York. Okay. And okay. I was born in Harlem, and I lived there for a while. Then my then my dad got transferred to American Airlines, and that's where I ended up in, in Oklahoma. Got you. But then I spent all my summers in New York because okay. all my, my family, both sides, are from back. New York. Right. Got you. So I spent my summers between Harlem with my mother's side and, like, the Bronx, Mount Vernon with my father's side. So I spent a lot of time in New York and spent a lot of time with my grandfather taking me to the Big East tournament. Oh, okay. And that's where I fell in love with the Big East. Man. Okay, yeah, when the Big East was the Big oh, East. Yeah, yeah. And he used to get so passionate about it, watching them. Because, you know, it was physical. They was bruising. They was right. like all hard watching St. John's and Syracuse and, you George know, Town Georgetown and, yeah. and, you know, Villanova. Those were like battles. Mm-hmm. And so that's why. I, and I grew up loving that style. And so that's why I also grew up a Knicks fan because my grandfather. Sorry to hear that, but well, you know, at that time it was wonderful. (laughs) Like it was, you know, that that Oakley, that you know what I mean, P. Ewan, that John Starks, that Mason, that all of them, and that physical, rugged New York style. That was that was the style, and it's it's all different now. You know what I mean? It's just basketball's different as a whole. (laughs) But yeah, that's that's why. So that's how I ended up going there because I grew up really you know, watching that, you know, every summer, every year, every, everything like that. Right. Okay. So what do you remember most about playing for, for Jim Behan? Oh man, we had some great, some great years there, you know, and it's, it's interesting because we have such a rich history with, mm-hmm. you know, Derek Coleman, John Wallace, you know, Billy Owens, you know, we, we, we had a Ronnie Cycli and those guys all coming back and talking to us while we were there. It was like motivation, you know, and it was, it was like, yeah, you know, you guys are doing this, giving us pointers. Roosevelt Bowie even going even further back, and so it, it that was great. So it was really a special, a special time. But for the most part, there's no place like the Carrier Dome. Okay. Like we literally have like thirty five thousand people, you know, what for a pack. So yeah. I get to the league, and I was like, huh, this is this is a smaller crowd. Yeah, where's all the people at? Yeah, <laughs> Dome, you know. And, and it's just you have just a whole sea of thirty five thousand people all in orange. We're playing Georgetown. That atmosphere is—I mean, you can't even describe it. You just have to witness it, and it's yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, now you did four years there. You were a lottery pick in the two thousand draft, but mm-hmm. this was like kind of around like the you know KGs, Kobe's, McGrady's going out of high school. But even then, you had like Elton Brand, Baron Davis, guys that were doing you know two years, right? Two, maybe three years of college. Was that ever consideration for you? Well, it was my junior year. I mean, I, I didn't play that much my freshman year. I was playing yeah. against Otis Hill, so I had to learn. Yeah. And my sophomore year was kind of like my breakout year. And then my junior year, I did pretty good. Then the talk was like, okay, you could come out. Right. And so I just looked at it. You know, I was I, I my degree is in business management. 
Um, so I looked at it from a business perspective. You know, if I if I come out here, I'll be slated in the end of the first round. Um, the end of the first round is slotted to make this amount. Right. You know what I mean? If I if I go higher and come back and, and I'm in the lottery, I'm slotted to make this amount. This amount. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I looked right. at that. I was like, hmm, this amount versus this amount. Right. Yeah, you I know? can wait. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I can wait. I can try to go <laughs> higher. So that was me. I was like, you know, college ain't bad. I'm not like, you know, struggling like or, you know, I'd love to get my degree. So was, right. that was a good decision for me. I do feel, though, that everybody has to make has to be able to have the freedom to make the best decision for them. Right. So for some people, they don't need to go to college. Right. LeBron, LeBron, Kobe, they didn't need to go to college. Right. Uh, so you got to have people have that ability to do that if that's their route and that's their path. For me, it was beneficial for me to play four years. For other people, you know, not so much. So I, that's why I'm not a real big fan of the you know one and done rule. Uh, you know, I've been hearing discussions that they may be you know get away do away with it after a while, but. Do I, and that being said, do I think that there will be players who try to leave who aren't ready to leave? Of course, mm-hmm. I feel that. That's for not sure. even a question. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's the <laughs> that's game. That's not yeah. even a question. But right. you got to give them that freedom to be able to do it, you know, right. and make their own choice. When you're 18, if they'll send you overseas to war, they should be able to be okay with you making a decision to play professional basketball. It feels fair, right? Yeah, like, it does. <laughs> so you're, you'd be, in favor of the just the 18, like as long as you're 18 out of high school, you have that option. Yes. Yeah. And then also, you know, when the rules for overseas players can't be different than the rules for, you know, mm. um, you know, players here. So overseas, yeah. they they turn professional when they're 14. Early. You know what I mean? Like they're right. like Luca was a professional early. He's been doing this for years. Right. Yeah. So it's like, well, come on now. You know, you, <laughs> come on now. Right. <laughs> now your rookie year, you uh drafted into Washington. As you mentioned, now your first year there was also Michael Jordan's first year in Washington, crazy. correct? Yeah, it's crazy. What What do you remember about that? Well, well, so well, actually, I, I was first drafted with the Mavericks uh, the year before, okay. um, but then I, I got traded that year. So, um, so I, and I didn't play with the Mavericks because I got injured. But, but when when I got traded to the Wizards, at that time, the Wizards were the worst team in the league. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. I, I remember when I, when I, you know, because I just had my my foot surgery, and so I stayed in Dallas a little bit after I after uh, we got traded. So I came there a little bit late, and I remember coming there to a game, and there was like honestly about twenty five people in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> there was like nobody. Very few, yeah. It was very few, and I think half of them was you know to be family members of the players, and and it was like. You know, the culture was just different. It just looked dismal. Like it just, you know, we were getting blown out. It was terrible. So then that summer, you know, I'm, I'm working out, you know, stuff like that, getting ready. And then the news comes that MJ's coming out of retirement, right? Mm. And just like that, everything changed for the Wizards. Everything yeah. changed in DC. So then yeah. the following game, following year, every game was sold out. Yep. We had we had a crowd outside, you know, just waiting, begging to get to in, go yeah. by, yeah, for the bus to go by. Like you know when you know when um, back in the day you would see those images of Michael Jackson when he would like yeah. you know go someplace overseas, go or mall go someplace, or somewhere, right, yeah. right, and it would be this pandemonium <laughs> and all these people around, and then you would see people like just look at him and start crying, yeah. you know what I mean, or like touch his arm and pass out, so all kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> right. That's what I saw with MJ. And it was the craziest thing to see, like up close, personal. Like people yeah. literally look at him and start crying. Like it was, wow. it was crazy. But it that was 
that was a that was a very interesting you know welcome to the NBA two years for me. Yeah. Now, did you get the you know sucked into those, those dice games, card games, uh, getting out on the town with Mike? Or? Thanks, no, no. I I, <laughs> I would be I would be in, the, in like you know where, where the plate is, and they were like right over there, and I'd watch them and I'd see them. <laughs> right. There's no way I would. They they used to play these games, and I would just see money stacked up. I'm like. Man, please. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm watching. Yeah, it's not even a question. But you know, it, 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 it's funny watching uh, the Last Dance mm. and them showing how he'd like to bet on everything. Yeah. And literally, that's that's true. Like that's accurate. Yeah. Like I bet you that I could throw this all the way over there and hit the trash can. You know what I mean? Right. And, guys, and guys will take the bet. I was like, yeah, I'm not getting into that at all. You know, you oh. never took that bait. So one time, one time. <laughs> It was during the, the um, it was during the uh, March Madness, and you uh-huh. know during during the during the tournament, everybody is like repping their team and like right. you know what I mean. So Syracuse was playing great. That's that year with with Mellows in Syracuse, right? Mm-hmm. And so they killing everybody, right? I'm like, yeah, Syracuse, Syracuse, and then you know he really liked TJ Ford, and they was playing mm-hmm. against Texas, mm-hmm. and so he was like, all right, young fellow, put your money where your mouth is. I was like, huh. Right. And, uh, and I just stopped. It's me. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. He was, and he started laughing. He was like, "Yeah, I know you don't really do this, but well, we do a friendly wager." I was like, "All right, that's a friendly wager, okay? Right. What's a friendly wager?" He said, uh, "Let's bet a thousand. I was like, "A thousand? That's that friendly? A friendly yeah, wager? Right. Like, right. Can we bring that down a little bit more friendly?" <laughs> and then he started laughing. And he said, "Okay, let's just do a nice little hundred dollar bet." I was okay. like, "Okay, that I can do." And then Syracuse won, right? So the next day I come into practice and I was just smiling. And then he looked at me when I came in and he and he started smiling. He came over to my dad to my to my uh, locker and it pulled out the hundred and it gave it to me. That was the only time I bet with MJ. Okay, so <laughs> you want to know? You I went one and zero, and then I retired. Went that's out all. on top. Yes, that's all. See, you should have made that friendly bet, man. He would have had to uh, peel you off ten of those man, things. I ain't never bet that much money for nothing before. If I want to go start betting against MJ, <laughs> I was gonna say that's that's not really where you want to uh, cut no, your teeth uh, not at all. in that game. Not at all. <laughs> so those two years he was there. What do you remember most about? I guess the difference between him being there versus after he left. Well, we had to start all over after he left. And mm-hmm. so it was a, you know, just a redo and a rebuild. And um, Coach Eddie Jordan came and mm-hmm. I did like Eddie Jordan a lot. We had a real good relationship. And, you know, he just had to start from scratch. He just yep. said, hey, listen, you know, whatever happened in the past is over with. So now we start off with a fresh slate. And, you know, I'm just going to see who plays the hardest, who plays, you know, and that's who's going to play. Right. And we're starting all over. And so that was, uh, you know. That was good. I had a good relationship with them. I thought he was a he he was a good coach, um, and we had a lot of success under him. Hmm. And what one I, I think that Coach Jordan is a coach where I don't think he got the credit he deserved hmm. because honestly, after at, the the Wizards had not been in the playoffs since they were the Bullets, Bullets yep. Chris Webber and Juwan Howard way back right? when. Yep. So there was a long drought of no playoffs. We didn't get to the playoffs with with, with MJ, mm-hmm. right? When he came out of retirement. So Eddie Jordan, we was in the playoffs like year after year after year. I mean, we kept losing to to LeBron and them. You know what I mean? Like, there's we, no shame in that, yeah. There's LeBron. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It was a young LeBron, but it was still LeBron. Mm-hmm. But you know, the fact that he put us in the playoffs consistently after that, I just didn't think that there was enough credit being thrown his way. 
or what he accomplished while he was with the Wizards. So, Definitely. yeah, I just want to say that. Mm. And what do you think of, like, do you still follow the game, watch the game currently? Yeah, of course. So what do, what do you think about the way the, the game has shifted? Like, def, like in terms of, you know, it's pretty much all perimeter oriented. Like, do you think, like, would you be taking corner threes now? Like, I, I, like what do you make of the way the game is? It's, it's interesting. I, I just interviewed Brian Grant for mm. my for my podcast we were talking about this same thing because we're like dinosaurs like we don't even <laughs> exist anymore like that the, the whole game is completely like we're six eight six nine you mm. know and don't really want to go outside that much we want to bang inside we want to get rebounds we want to mm. block shots we want to you know offensive rebounds things like that put back dunks that's how we like to play right people are our size don't play like that. Like, yeah, that's that's point know, guard now. That's yeah, point, right, right. So it's completely different. So the game has just changed. Um, so yeah, no, I, I wasn't interested in shooting no threes. I don't think I shot a three <laughs> ever. Like, that just wasn't my interest. Right. So so it's funny when I'm you know with, with my son and you know the, I, I coach his AAU team and mm. you know he's tall and my wife was tall, but he 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 likes KD. You know what I mean? Right. He wants to play like you know, Cross people up, yeah, Euros yeah. everywhere and everything <laughs> like that. So it's just a whole different game. It's fun to watch, though. I, I but I still like rooting for the big men. Like I, mm. I root for you know MB to do well. You know, even though he likes to go outside too, but just a big man. Um, I love seeing the combination of Dwight Howard and Javale McGee last year mm-hmm. when they won the championship. And I thought the Lakers weren't very uh, didn't make a great move by not retaining them because I think that they undervalued what they brought to the team, yeah, um, as a whole. And they were big men, big men doing right. work inside, you know, dirty work, yeah, all the dirty work. So I was rooting for them, but um, yeah, you know, I can appreciate the game now. But I am a you know I have big man bias, so I do okay. like to see big men be successful in the game now too. Okay, who are some of the other guys you like to watch now? Well, it can be big men or, or anybody, really. Well, well, what I do with my with my son is we study guys. So we study, mm-hmm. you know, because like I said, we study KD. You know, KD mm-hmm. is the man. Like that's who you know we've and, and because he's from here as well. Right. You know, you know, Malcolm is Malcolm's my son. They they've all grown up and they look at been following him. Guy. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy. So of course Giannis, we study him, study Kawhi, and he wants to be kind of like a blend of all of them. But I I keep telling him, I was like, listen, I want you to also study Anthony Davis. Because yep. he goes inside and outside. Right. And he's, you know, so we do a little bit of those. So that's usually, you know, now that you get older, you're you're watching it for a purpose. And you're like right. pointing things out. You're like, all right, you <laughs> see how he got across that screen? All right. right. You see how he did, you know. Right, you know, right. You watch the basketball a little differently when you when you when you're pointing out things as a as a coach, as a dad. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> now I, I saw a piece you uh wrote not too long ago about like the officiating, just how guys mm-hmm. it seems like they're you know, giving guys a quick hook. Now you had a couple like suggestions. Uh, yeah. Like, what, what what do you what do you think could help there? So that this all changed after the 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 brawl in the palace. Yeah, this is when everything changed because all before it was not like this. Right. So from that point on, it's like they want guys to play with no emotion. They yeah. don't want to see. It's like they're always worried. Okay, oh, right, it. right, right. They want to stop anything before it starts. They're like really, really on edge about everything. And so I was watching the game with uh, um, Brooklyn and the Lakers, mm-hmm. and you know Kyrie. The one this week or a couple of days ago. Yeah. A couple of days ago, right? And Kyrie and Schroeder got into. They was arguing. They mm-hmm. was talking. And then I just thought that ejection was so. And it was such a good game. Yeah. Like they was like right there. And then after the game happened, 
you know, the Lakers went on this, you know, run. And honestly, I turned the channel. I turned it off and went to sleep. Like, I didn't finish the game. I was like, oh, they done messed up the whole game. Yeah. So that's why when I woke up, then I wrote the article. And I'm talking about how, you know, as a suggestion, I, I think that they, instead of having such a quick ejection, and I've seen this happen in AAU, so it's not mm-hmm. like I just came up with it. Mm-hmm. But they basically tell the two guys, all right, both of you guys check out. And you could come back in, you know, five minutes or at the right. end of the Just quarter. Just cool off like a little bit. When you cool off. Like, yeah. I've seen that happen. And it worked. Guys yeah. sit down. You know what I mean? They like penalty off. box in hockey? Like, I think you like mentioned penalty yeah. box, right. I think that would be a much better suggest, you know, you know, recommendation rather than just ejecting guys quick. Yeah. I mean, because they, they come with it. So, you know, they – and sometimes – and I listen, I understand that refereeing is a tough job. Definitely. It is a very good job. You, yep. Every single call you make, somebody has an issue with. Somebody's going to disagree. All right. Yeah. And, and now guys are kind of, at least it seems, whining a little bit more, you know, after every. So I get it. Mm. But you can't expect guys to be robots. You can't. Right. I mean, I just saw the uh, this clip of, this was just last night. Uh, Cat came down, had a great dunk. You know what I mean? Was, mm-hmm. was like, yeah, yeah, boot tech. I'm like, why are yeah, you calling yeah, yeah. a tech on him? He's right, he should be able to celebrate he's that. Yeah, doing those celebrate. I mean, I saw, um, you know, what guy yelled and won, and they called a tech. tech yeah. You know what I mean? I saw. I'm like, oh, okay, come on now. This is y'all. Y'all are doing too much. This is. Yeah. Like, I, I can understand at least if there's a confrontation. You leave. I understand you being a little nervous. So like, it's like right. relax, just giving it. But for guys showing emotion. After a good play, not even any. I was like, "Come on now, y'all, y'all are doing a little too much." Yeah, because it was like like Kyrie and Schroeder, like they had a good back and forth going. Like Schroeder was playing them right. pretty well, and it's like, yeah. okay, now yeah, now both you guys are out. Now both of you are uh, out. Yeah, like come on, now. that was a little quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, as a former player, uh, what do you think about the play-in tournament? It's okay. going on this year? I mean, I understood it for the bubble season. Right. Yeah. I don't know if I quite agree with it moving forward, to be honest with you. I think it's a little bit, you know, I don't know. I, I thought it was great for the bubble season. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how, how, I, how I quite feel about it as just, you know, well, you want because you want to give more people a chance. You want to try to be, I understand the need, the, the, the design of it. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if I can quite wrap my mind around it. You know, I mean, I think, <laughs> it's just, you know, and I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that one yet. Okay, that's what I think. It's like you said, work well for the bubble. I I guess we'll see. I just we saw uh, Mark Cuban and Luca kind of spoke out against it. We're getting closer to it. I think that's when we're gonna start right. seeing more people speak out, either in favor or or opposed to it. So I, right. I wanted to get your take on that. Yeah, yeah. Now I also saw. Uh, we won't keep you too much longer. You, you recently talked to uh, Last Chance You coach mm. John Mosley. Yeah. Uh, you think you could have played for for Coach Mosley, guy that's on on a hundred at all times, twenty four seven? Listen, I thought he was great. Um, I, I love I, him. Yeah. I really, I really liked that series. Uh, yeah. We watched it in like two days. Uh, just watch, just watched it all the way through. The passion that he had for the players, and it, it was a great interview. It was an honor to be able to you know to interview him. Um, you know, and also interview Joe Hampton. So that's going to come mm-hmm. out next week. Um, but, but it, it was great to be able to see a coach that cares about their players beyond the court. So, you know, in, in, in AAU, you see coaches that are in it for the wrong reason. You see it, you see coaches who could care less about what their players are doing, but, but with coach Mosley, you saw someone who actually cared 
and how he was, you know, dealing with like Deshaun, uh, the point mm-hmm. guard. And how he was dealing with Joe when he was kirking out and acting like, you know, but he was like, yeah, y'all don't know what he's been through. Yeah. Like, you don't know, you know, and he's talking about it. He was like, yeah, everybody gave up on him and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, I, I don't want to be another person that gives up on him because I see something that I don't like. Right. And, he, and he said, no, and I do not like this. Right. But I don't want to give up on him. And he was like, because if I give up on him, then what happens to him? Yeah. And I just thought that was so, you know, profound about it. He's like, now, of course, if it gets to the point where it's detrimental to the entire team. Right. Yeah, I have to do something. But, you know what I mean? I don't want to be, you know, the first to to another person added to the list of someone who gave up on him. You know, and I just thought I just thought it was a great documentary. You know, I enjoyed the interview, enjoyed talking to coach about you know, his different types of motivation, you know, why he's so passionate and why. Mm-hmm. He, so I thought, I thought it was great. You know, it, it's something I hope they do more of those with, with basketball. I mean, the football last chance shoes are good, but yeah. basketball, well, that one, that one was dope. Like, for, yeah, no, I, 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 at first, dope. like going in, cause I, I watched them all going in. I was like, uh, I mean, like basketball could work. Of course. I just didn't know how it would work. And then at the yeah. end I was like, maybe they should have did basketball all along. Right, like, right, they, right. It might just work better. <laughs> right. Uh, right. In this format. You you don't have to step on it, but how was talking with Joe Hampton? Oh no, it was great. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm talking to him about you know what he was feeling, like why, right. and going to a little bit more in depth of stuff that they didn't show. You know, during, like they they showed you him kirking out, they showed you him struggling, they showed you him not being able to deal with the emotions uh, mm-hmm. of, of the refs. Not, but I, and I just went deeper into that with him, like why, like what exactly was going on in your mind, right. like what exactly happened. When you when you got hurt and everybody kind of gave up on you when you was like God's gift to basketball at first, you know what I mean? Or what, what what was going on when you started making bad decisions and you know when they started saying that you gave up on life and you was depressed? Like, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit more. Like, what was going on right. with that? And then, you know, right. so we just went deeper into all of it. So it was, you know, it was good. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, now I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, you were a poet. Released a book of poetry in two thousand and five, I believe. Mm-hmm. Now, do you still you still write poetry? Mm-hmm. You still okay. Yeah. How did you get started? Is like is that something you've always been involved so that, in? That, that started a little bit more in high school when I was doing speech and debate. So when I was okay. doing writing writing um, writing original oratories, which is writing my own piece, I would mm-hmm. do standard oratories, which is somebody else's speeches, mm-hmm. and then the same with poetry. So I would write my own poems, and then I would perform other people's poems. Gotcha. So okay. so the poets that I really uh, really liked back then was I liked the last poets because I grew up listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary Baraka, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, and then, but then I started liking the contemporary poets like Saul Williams and okay. and Mums the poet who just passed away. If anybody remembers Oz, he was the po- he was called poet from Oz, and mm-hmm. you know he was just he was just dope the way that he would just just spit. And I was someone who always was into lyrics, really? you know, because poetry is hip hop. So mm-hmm. I was always into lyrics. So sometimes. You know, guys around my way, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, everybody likes, you know, the West Coast stuff and everybody likes the beats. And right. I'm like, okay, that's cool beats. I kind of want to hear what they're saying, though. I want to hear <laughs> them give some analogies and give some references and then tell. So I started liking really like like Nas and like, you know what hmm. I mean? Like those kind of cats that, that are really like, you know, and nothing against the West Coast. I love the West Coast. I right, love right, the West Coast right, yeah. too. But um, I just wasn't as into beats as a lot of the guys that were my friends. So... Then I started getting into like you know Common and Quali and Most mm-hmm. Step and all of them cast Black Thought and that's all poetry. That's yeah. all, all of it. You know, you use poetry to tell a story, to give an opinion, to make a statement, to do everything. So that's when I started getting into it a lot more. 
Um, so, you know, looking in, you know, from high school, college, I had this big book of poems and, mm. you know, so I just wanted to turn it into a book. Mm. So is it harder like to, to write a poem or, or an article or get a chapter together for a book? Like what's, the, what's the most difficult? I mean, it's all, it's, it's the thing with, with, with poetry, like I can't sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write a poem about this. You know what I mean? Or right. I have like a, it has to just hit you. Right. And when it hits you, it's like I can't put the pen down until right. I'm finished. Until you I'm know, so, yeah. and it could be in the middle of the morning. I'm like, ooh, I'm like, oh, you know, right, yeah, yeah. this sounds it's, good, it's yeah, going, right. So that that's how it kind of works with poetry, but that it works like that too with articles as well. So hmm. sometimes when I see something, I gotta be inspired by it, and then I just knock it out really quickly. You know, gotcha. just uh, the same way. Okay, but, one uh, last question for you. Uh, we ask all our our legends this. I feel like it ties into the. Uh, to the, the poet question, getting together our season two of our playlist, we're getting a couple songs from, from all our legends, just something you're listening to around the house, while you're writing, on the way to, you know, coach ball, like you said, could be old school, new school, whatever, like what the, what are you listening to these days? So I, I listen to a lot of J. Cole. Uh, okay. I, I still listen to the old school stuff, like Quali and the Roots mm-hmm. and, you know, I, and me and my son, we have this thing where he wants to, you know, show me his new school stuff. I want to try to show him my old school stuff. So we right. we do that a lot. Um, okay. I, you know, some of the new school stuff, I'm like, ah, you know, yeah, it's all right. yeah. but I do, I do, I can roll with Lil Baby. I, I started okay. like a little baby. Okay. Um, you know, he started like a Busta Rhymes, DMX, Wu Tang. <laughs> so we, so we can do a little bit of crap. Back and forth. Okay. Yeah, go back and forth. So yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll throw a. Uh, some old with the one old school, one new school on there for you. Sounds good. Sounds, okay. good. Sounds good. Uh, got a lot going on. Tell us, like, where can we, you know, check for the book, check for the Joe Hampton and Coach Mosley interviews? Where can we find you, man? So that's all my, all my interviews on my podcast called The Rematch. Uh, mm-hmm. My articles uh, are on basketballnews.com. So that's that's where you can find all of that. Um, I also write for The Guardian. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do that a lot as well. Uh, my, my, my book is called. Um, <clears throat> we matter athletes and activism. So that's all on Amazon and everything like that. And uh, I'm working on my new book. So yeah, got a lot going on. Keep my busy up. man. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we, if this whole last year have been kind of, you know, quarantined and in the house yeah. a whole lot. So I've had a whole lot of time to do it. Might lot. as well. Yeah. Might as well. Right. <laughs> yeah. Todd Thomas, thank you so much for joining us, man. Oh, great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course, man. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Right. That'll do it this week for Legends Live. As you know, we've got new episodes every Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central at the NBA Alumni's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch page. You can find them there. I'd like to remind you, you can watch replays of any episode at legendsofbasketball.com slash legendslive. You can catch the audio replay to our conversations if you search for Legends Live wherever you get your podcasts. I'd like to thank you to Bridget, Aaron, and Julio behind the scenes. Thank you all for watching. Uh, Thank Atom for joining us. We'll see you next Thursday. And as you know, the WNBA draft is tonight. So we'd like to go ahead and wish good luck to all the the ladies tonight and the future players, future stars, future legends in the WNBA. We can't wait to see you on the next level.